I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn with me to the Gospel according to Luke. Luke chapter 12, we'll begin at verse 13 as we continue our series on the parables of Jesus. Luke chapter 12, beginning at verse 13, where Luke writes, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. But he said to him, Friend, who set me to be a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Then he told them a parable. The land of a rich man produced abundantly. And he thought to himself, What should I do? For I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grains and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life is being demanded of you. And the things you've prepared... Whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves, but are not rich toward God. Will you pray with me? Almighty God, we give you thanks for your holy word, for the privilege now of studying it together. And God, as I stand before these, your people, this is your church. So I pray that this would be your message and not my own. Through the name of Jesus the Christ. Amen. N.T. Wright is a brilliant biblical scholar. He is a bishop, an Anglican bishop, teaches at Oxford University, British scholar. But he, but he shares these interesting lines. He said, the modern Western world is built on anxiety. You see it in the faces of people hurrying to work. You see it more as they travel home, tired but without having solved life's problems. The faces are weary, puzzled, living with the unanswerable question as to what it all means. The world thrives on people setting higher and higher goals for themselves and each other so that they can worry all day and all year about whether they'll reach them. If they do, they'll set new ones. If they don't, They'll feel they failed. Was this really, he asked, how we were supposed to live? It's really a great question. We are so stressed in our lives. I mean, we worry. I worry. I'm stressed. I mean, I, I will be honest with you. Sometimes people think that, well, the pastors seem to have it all figured out. Trust me, we do not. I get, I get anxious, I get worried, I get stressed as well, just like everyone else does. But what does that say about us? And what does it say about our faith in God? I mean, we often put our security in the things that we have. We put our security in what other people may think about us based on appearances, based on our materials, our possessions, our status, our titles, or other things. 
As a matter of fact, it reminds me that one time there was this wealthy person who asked their spouse one day, he said, Honey, would you still love me if I didn't have all this money? And the response was, Of course I'd love you, sweetie. I'd miss you, but I'd still love you. I mean, I think we worry sometimes. How will people respond if, if we don't seem to have a certain status or have certain things? Jesus has been teaching here in the Gospel of Luke, and all of a sudden, someone from the crowd asked Jesus a question. Actually, asked for a favor. Would you please tell my brother to share the inheritance with me? Will you settle this dispute now, in all probability, this would have been the younger brother because the oldest brother in the family would be the ones who would take care of the inheritance, making sure that the estate was handled. But maybe this older brother wasn't being fair. Maybe the older brother wasn't being honest. We don't know. Jesus, can you help? Can you just tell him to handle this right? Can you tell my brother? Can you talk to my brother? It wasn't uncommon that people would go to a rabbi to settle disputes. As a matter of fact, you can go all the way back in the Old Testament, for example, in Numbers 27, Deuteronomy 21. You'll see people coming to Moses, and Moses would handle questions about inheritance or issues in the family. But Jesus, he expands this answer. Now notice, at first he's talking just to the person, well, who put me as the arbitrator over you? But then Jesus addresses the crowd, we're told. He addresses all of them and, and, and he says to them, be careful about greed. Life is not based on your possessions. It's got to be something much deeper than that, something much more than that. Now, it's interesting when you hear this, again, is to put the scripture in context because we often immediately take the scripture and how does it apply today and that's very important but the first thing to do is go back as well and go well who is Jesus actually talking to and most of the people in Jesus time when he would be out teaching this way were people who lived day by day I mean their focus was on survival not the purchase of a fancier car or moving to a newer neighborhood, they're, they're actually focused on, will we survive? I mean, they, they knew that one illness or one injury of the breadwinner of the family, of the provider for the family, could, could leave them destitute. So it may have been that this inheritance could have actually changed a life. It may have been more of a desperation question, hey, can you help settle this up for me? So Jesus then shares with them a parable. And a parable, again, is a story, a simple story that has a deeper meaning connected up under it. And Jesus said there was a farmer. He was a very wealthy, rich man. And wow, his land produced abundantly this year. I mean, it was absolutely incredible, more crops than he could ever imagine. And it actually created a crisis. What am I going to do with all this stuff? What am I going to do with all this grain? My barns won't hold it all. And so he thought to himself, ah, I know what I'll do. I'm going to tear down my barns. I'm going to build bigger barns. I'm going to say to my soul, soul, just relax, eat, drink. You got it made. 
And Jesus said, God looked at this person, and again, remember, this is a parable, and said, you're a fool. Tonight, your life will be demanded of you. And then the question will be, so now, who all this stuff belong to? Who all this stuff belong to? See, I, I love this parable. It's an interesting story because this farmer was so blessed his crops had produced, and I mean, farmers, I grew up out in the country, farmers have always been known as, as some of the, the biggest gamblers in the world because they, they till the land, they plant the seed, and they pray that the rain and the weather will participate and that they will have crops and be able then to feed their family. Well, God here had provided the land for this rich farmer. He had provided the seed. God had provided the rain and the right weather and, and the crops just produced so abundantly. And now he's got options. What am I going to do with all this? And the options were gratitude or greed. How am I going to respond to this? Will it be with gratitude or with greed. Notice there's no thought of others here. Now we kind of knew where this parable was going to go because Jesus had just warned them to be careful about greed and that life was more than possessions. So we kind of had an idea where we were going, but did, did you notice what the farmer says? I mean, there's nothing about anybody else, not even about family. I mean, catch how many times it was I and me, and myself. He thought to himself, what am I going to do? My crops, my barns, I'll do this. I'll say to my soul, and I will eat, drink, and relax, and I'll have it made. It was all self-centered. Nothing about family, nothing about I'll be able to help my friends, nothing about I'll be able to help my hands who help me have everything. All about him. George Buttrick the preacher, teacher, theologian says, of course he was bereft of fellow feeling. Other people had enriched him. For he did not plow, reap, and build the barns single-handed. Always, he said, wealth is more an achievement of society than of the individual. Because he owned it, he thought, this is all mine. There was nothing about who are the ones who work so hard to help me till the soil? Who are the ones who work so hard to help me plant the seed? Who are the ones who help me tear down barns and even build bigger barns? No thought of how can I help them along? How can I share with them the blessings that God has given to us for our hard work? No, it was, it was all about him. He was so self-centered, so narcissistic. Fred Craddock, the great preaching professor, biblical scholar, teacher, mentor of mine when I was at Emory University as well. He says, if, if he's not just unjust, then look, what is he? He's a fool, says the parable. He lives completely for himself. He talks to himself. He plans for himself. He congratulates himself. Sudden death proves to him to have been that he lived as a fool. For what does it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses or forfeits himself, which was the scripture from Luke 9, verse 25. 
God wants us to have a great life. There's, there's no question about this. This is not a parable that says you shouldn't be able to have a great life. It's not a parable that says you shouldn't be able to eat and drink and relax and enjoy family and friends. As a matter of fact, Ecclesiastes 8 verse 15 says, So I commend enjoyment, for there's nothing better for people under the sun than to eat and drink and enjoy themselves for this will go with them in their toil throughout the days of life that God gives them under the sun. Oh, we're, God loves for us to have a great time of fellowship and to have the food, the clothing, the shelter, to be able to sit back and relax and take a break. It's part of what Sabbath is all about, is taking that time to pause. The challenge is how do we define what makes us great or makes life great when God wants us to have a, a great life? Is it really the material possessions and how big our barns are, or is it the relationships, like our relationship with God and with one another? Maybe that's why the two great commandments are to love God and to love one another, and the Sabbath, that time to call time out and pause, is to be with God and to be with family. One of the challenges we even have in the faith today is what's known as the prosperity gospel where people just want to teach and some want to say that, that it's all about God just wanting you to have bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger barns. I've often wondered if the prosperity gospel preachers have ever read this scripture. Because it's not about building bigger barns. Isn't there more to life than a barn? The question becomes, too, about prudence versus greed. I mean, the issue was not that he had barns, and the issue was not that he saved. The issue was not that he would set his supplies aside. And it, the issue wasn't saving. The issue was hoarding, and there's a difference. I mean, even in Genesis, when you read Genesis 41, verses 35 to 36, for example, one of the things we see about Joseph is his wisdom during the good years to build up supplies and resources to get through the hard years ahead. It's not about being prudent. It's not about saving. It's about being greedy and selfish without any thought of anyone else. I mean, John Wesley, the founder of Methodism, in his sermon, The Use of Money, said that we are to earn all you can, save all you can, and then give all you can. It's not about being prudent. It's about when greed steps in the way, because greed actually, according to Paul, becomes idolatry when the greed is more about us and ourselves than God or anyone else. That's why he says in Colossians 3, for example, verse 5, put to death, therefore, whatever in you is earthly, fornication, impurity, passion, evil desire, and catch this, and greed, which he says, is idolatry. Isn't it kind of ironic that the blessings from God actually lead him to idolatry? God's blessings upon him lead him to idolatry. Fred Craddock goes on to say, here the issue is preoccupation with material things. Everyone, of course, protests that he or she only wants enough. 
But to know how much is enough, no one knows rather how much is enough until one has too much. It's a time for us to discern. Now catch what happens in the scripture because at this point, Jesus now turns to his disciples. Now originally the individual asked the question, tell my brother to share the inheritance with me. Jesus answers him, then turns to the crowds, teaches the crowds about life is more than possessions and shares this parable. But then Jesus will turn to his disciples, takes it up a notch to another level of teaching, another level of learning. So I want you to catch that individual taught the crowds. But now this is for the disciples. It's next level. Beginning at verse 22, he goes on to say, He said to his disciples, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, about your body, what you'll wear. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, they neither sow nor reap. They neither storehouse, they have neither a storehouse nor barn. And yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds. And can any of you by worrying add a single hour to your span of life? If then you're about to do a small thing as that, why do you worry about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you? You have little faith. And do not keep striving for what you are to eat and what you're to drink. And do not keep worrying. For it is the nations of the world that strive after these things. And your father knows that you need them instead Strive for his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for it's your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. N.T. Wright, I think it's correct. We live very anxious lives, worry-filled lives. Do we really have confidence in God? Stress and anxiety are killing us. We know it medically. The studies are there. The results are there. The stress, the anxiety, the pressures, we're feeling it now from even our children, our youth, and we adults. The challenge is, is do we have the ability to trust in God and God's security and that God is in control? And Jesus said, you ought to be able then to take the blessings that you have and and give alms and share the things that you have. Unlike the, the rich farmer who tore down his barns to build bigger barns, once God has blessed you, then how can you share that in the lives 
of others. Remember, John Wesley's statement was, earn all you can, save all you can, and give all you can. He made a note in 1789 that the Methodists of his day were ignoring the third part of that sermon, the part about sharing. Now, most of us can't live up to John Wesley's standards of, of how we give and how we live. I mean, for example, when John Wesley was a student at Oxford University, he was living on 28 pounds. When he made 30 pounds, he still lived on 28 pounds, and then he would donate or give away two pounds. When he started earning 60 pounds, he still lived on 28 and donated, shared, offered the rest of the church, the kingdom of God. And even eventually, when he was up to earning 120 pounds, he still lived on the same 28 pounds and shared the difference. Now, we may struggle with that level of giving. We may share with that, but it is food for thought. The challenging thing with this parable and the stories that Jesus has told, here's the problem with parables. Jesus would tell a parable and just leave the disciples and leave the crowds to figure it out. He would just leave the disciples, leave the, leave the crowds to hear what he said and then to wrestle with, well, what am I going to do with it? And he just told us a parable. Hmm. What does it mean to us? What are we going to do with it? Will you pray with me? God, we give you thanks for your love and grace because it is so easy to get caught up with the world. We need your grace. You teach us that it's the kingdoms of the world that worry about these kind of things. And yet we get a little worldly ourselves and that becomes our preoccupation. We are blessed so much by your grace. You have provided for us in so many ways. We are blessed. And yet, if we're not careful, we might have a tendency to, again, just think about ourselves and the bigger barns we can build and, and not think about the difference we can make in the lives of others, others that have blessed us as well. Or those for whom we can take the blessings that we have received and, and use them in a way that changes their lives. We have a tendency, if we're not careful, to be so stressed and so anxious about the things that we have so little control over rather than trusting in you and giving thanks to you. God, help us to hear this parable. To hear your teaching to the young man who asked the question, to the crowds with whom he shared the parable, and with his disciples, the church, that he pulled aside to teach even more. So help us, we pray now, to spend some time wrestling with your teaching and find the way to apply it to our lives. In the name of Jesus the Christ, amen.